Welcome back to Range Anxiety for your Sunday session. It's your Bathurst weekend this weekend, so we're all excited to watch a bunch of boring taxis go around in circles and ultimately have the race won by a safety car. That's what's going to happen. You heard it here first on Range Anxiety. I'm actually recording this a few hours before the main event. And uh, thank you uh, very much to Michael Jackson, and it was actually the Jacksons at that stage, for that song, uh, Blame It On The Boogie. Because, you know, there's a sunshine, moonlight, good times, and a boogers. That's right. We're going to be talking a little bit about them today. I gave you a, uh, I gave you a little, you know, session away from that kind of thing. But unfortunately, it follows me around. That's right. I must be like a giant box of Kleenex. Because they come hunting for me. I even lost a Facebook follower today from Wisconsin in the States. And he said, I can't take you seriously. Because everyone that doesn't agree with your one-eyed view, one-eyed view, right, is a booger eater. I said, well, mainly they are. But I'm all about the balance here, right? I don't care what propels a car. If you can make a good steam engine that is efficient enough and goes like the clappers, I'm in. I'm right in. And uh, I would have one. But it's the booger eaters are the people of limited intelligence that probably didn't spend too much at school and have learnt everything they know off a rumble and bit shoot. And But they are very careful not to fall off the edge of the flat earth while they're on it. So, yeah. There you go, and please don't approach Antarctica because the ice walls and the military will take you to the ground. And yes, Trump won uh, the booger-eating competition, uh, that is. Now, so today, I'm a little bit distressed, and I think the booger-eaters should STFU. That's right, I'm being polite. Because some really, really, really bad shit has just happened. Um, actually, before I get onto the bad shit, let's talk about the good shit. I went into, I've been a bit, little bit harsh on BYD, I suppose, or the way they do business. Uh, I went in, I dropped into the Experience Centre in Adelaide on my way home on Friday, and uh, I was after a BYD Experience. So I pulled up out the front in the Model 3 Performance, you know, it was probably worth as much as everything they had in the Experience Centre. And I uh, walked in there, and the guy there said, hello Martin, we've been expecting you. Ooh, X-Files type moment for me. Turns out he was a customer from many years back, Adrian, uh, at BYD Adelaide, and uh, yeah, he's also an avid listener, and we kind of shook hands and we spoke and we talked about all things BYD. He's uh, part of Eagers, uh, as he said, and um, yeah, he gave me a really good show around the car and uh, let me run amok, like through them and so forth. No test drives as yet, because that's a company policy that he can't, um, <clears throat> you know, he can't do anything about that. Um, but the frunk either, it's a mess of hoses and stuff under there, but, and power units and so on. But hey, look, I, I think it's going to be a good thing. And for the money, if you can't stretch to a Tesla, um, it looks like a good thing. And thank you very much, actually, to Adrian, because he was really quite hospitable and <clears throat> just let me do whatever I wanted. And uh, yeah, impressive. So if you're you know, interested in, in going uh, that BYD route, and you're in South Australia or anywhere in Australia, go to your local experience centre and um, go to, uh, in Adelaide, go and see Adrian and tell him I sent you. There you go. He might be cringing under his desk when you say that. 
But yeah, impressed. Okay, on to the next thing. And what's pissed me off? I, well, how do I put this? We were just in the stages of a recovery. You know, that, that Russia-Ukraine thing, and you know, I'm not going to rub it on about that because I'm not a political scientist or whatever else, but you know, the, the thing that it, it threatens to spiral into World War Three if everyone's not a very, a very careful, um, that bumped the price of gas and oil quite significantly. And uh, oil price got up to about $120 US a barrel, you know, after being almost a zero or negative for a small blip there back in the March 2020 COVID uh, era. And uh, up going the price and up went the prices at the pump and, you know, $2.50 for premium unleaded and $2.50 for diesel here in Australia. It makes the shit unaffordable, really, right? And then ScoMo, Scotty from Marketing, came along and um, in a valiant attempt to try and save his political life, basically, uh, cut the fuel excise in half. The tax took 22 cents a litre of fuel for six months, and it's only just come back on, and up she goes again, but not quite so bad. Let me explain why, and why the oyster farmers that are addicted to oil and gas are just not doing themselves or anybody else any favours. This isn't about the cars for a minute, although the cars are a big contributor to why we need this crap. So the price went up to 120 bucks a barrel because there were, you know, uh, certain key restrictions and no one was buying oil or no one in the West was buying oil off Russia and, and so on. So supply became a bit limited. But then, slowly over the last few months, the oil price has dropped back to before hostilities broke out. In fact, it dropped back to about $82 a barrel, right, from 120 And, you know, we saw fuel get quite cheap, down to $1.49, $1.50 here in South Australia at Adelaide. Um, and, you know, it was quite affordable, I suppose, um, if you like that kind of thing. And then the, the excise came back on and the, 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 the price of oil was still down. And then OPEC made a move for the first time in 20 plus years. The OPEC plus states, Russia, of which is one of them, I believe, had their first face to face meeting in 20 plus years. And what was that meeting was about? The meeting was about working out how much oil supply to cut to drive the price back up well over $100 a barrel again so they can profiteer out of poor, innocent, stupid people or those that just actually need it to get their job done. So they got together and they, the market was expecting they would cut supply by a million barrels a day. It's a lot of barrels if you count them up, but no. OPEC said, F you, basically to the world um, and uh, cut it by 2 million barrels a day, a much bigger cut than anyone was expecting. And even though this is like only 48 hours or, you know, 72 hours later, the price has already skyrocketed up again and is nudging $100 a barrel again on its way up because when supply is cut, people need it so they'll pay more for it, right? You get that? It's all about supply and demand and these filthy companies that do this are only interested in their own back pockets. I mean, that's nothing new, and it's not just oil and gas. Um, I think the Saudi trade minister 
was quoted as saying, because Biden and co begged them not to do it before the US midterms, or not to do it at all, which are coming up. But the Saudis said, look, we're only interested in our domestic, um, you know, GDP. We don't give two shits about you, America. So remember that, America, next time you're like uh, bailing them out of wars and funding them, they don't give two shits about you. All right, remember that. Lock it away, Sleepy Joe. Remember your name first, I suppose. So, yeah, pretty bad state of affairs. And a, a political economist I was talking to said they need the price of oil to be above $80 a barrel so that their local economies don't go into deficit. You know, those economies built with riches and luxuries and and uh, just, just excesses beyond what any smart person could ever need. Massive showboating. You know, all of that costs money to run. So while those countries are still there and got this amazing, horrid, gosh, infrastructure to run, you will be paying. And the only way, as Yaz and the plastic population once said, the only way is up now, baby. So my predictions that were looking not to be coming true by Christmas of two bucks fifty a litre for the for the pause stuff, the ninety one, and possibly closer to three dollars for diesel. My predictions are unfortunately going to come true. And I'm not sitting here as some EV fanboy going, ha ha, sucked in, because it's not good for anyone or anything. See, like that Facebook follower, he's probably off now, you know, having a quick feed out of the handkerchief at the moment. He should have listened to me and said it's all about balance. We need gas and oil. We need them. But we don't need to be held to hostage, gun at our head, by lands far, far away, by, I was going to say trumped up, no pun intended, governments and essentially military dictatorships that we put in place, all of our taxpayers' dollars and the US taxpayers' dollars have put in place to now turn around and abone us in the backside or wherever else you might not like it, possibly the hip pocket. We did the same thing many, we've done the same thing over many years and they always bite us and we've waged wars and spent uh, quintillions, is that bigger than trillions of dollars, uh, you know, protecting these rights to oil and they fuck us every time and they're not going to do any unfuckery because they don't need to, they don't want to. At the end of the day, if you need to get to work, you will pay or you will walk. Right? So what we need to do, the only way we can fix this problem, right, is by breaking our reliance on it. Push demand down that low by using other forms of energy to move our fat asses around that they no longer have their hands on our throat and a gun at our head. Think about that for a minute. Oh, but we need, I love pain. No, you don't. You're a liar if you say that. And it's not your local operators here. I mean, sure, they make big money. You know, I've never seen a fuel station owner or a chain owner uh, that is doing it tough, right? And good on them. Like I said, it's a big business. I've said this before. Big businesses make big money if they're run correctly. But no, no, this is the raw product that's being leveraged this way. And to see how your average Joe feels about it, right? I decided to track down and listen to one of the biggest oil and gas podcasts, 
not via Stellantis, but it could have been pretty much. It might as well have been. On the net, the Oil and Gas podcast, run by a couple of Yanks, uh, a female and a male, and uh, it was just like an open invitation to marry your cousin and start pumping out kids. It was like, you know, we're really worried about what's going to happen to all these solar panels. They're going to start clogging up the environment. And uh, the woman, I forget her name, was like, yeah, Dan, that's a really bad thing. These renewables... They're going to do something really bad to the world. All of the while, they're waging wars, dr- like flooding, destroying eight, thousands of kilometers of coastline, you know, polluting the sky. But no, they can do no wrong. You know, it's uh, it's pretty hectic, eh? And it was just that one-eyed. It makes even the biggest EV evangelist uh, seem like a shrinking violet. That really is a very powerful industry, and if you never hear from me again, Mr. Exxon has me, and uh, goodbye, I love you all. You know, so it's really, really bad. We need to break our reliance to break them being able to thieve us and make them act like responsible corporations. I don't give a fuck if they've got to shut down the world's biggest water slide for a month you know, or forever because the oil prices dropped too low. I never intend going there anyway, right? If I want to be in a 45 degree shithole, I can just go step out into my backyard in Adelaide midsummer and get the full experience free of charge. So please, when you read what I write, or if you listen to what I'm saying, it's not about I hate you or I hate your choices. Some people don't have a choice, right? Some people aren't so lucky. They're relying on this stuff. What I hate is being bent over and made to mercilessly suffer at the hip pocket by a bunch of greedy fucks that we actually all built and put into that position. Wind the clock back 100 years and have a look at where some of those countries were before the oil wars and before the Industrial Revolution. Thanks, Henry Ford. Not just his fault. Anyway, enough of that for the time being. The Semi is being delivered on the first, the Tesla Semi. And of course, PepsiCo are getting them. And of course, I made a Facebook post about it just to stir the shit. Right, apparently it's super fun to drive. I'm sure it is. If you like trucking, you know, autopilot hands off steer you know hands off the uh, steering wheel on some you know occasions so you can have a quick dig at the nasal diner and uh, of course people have just gone mental let's have a look at the, the facts for a minute the specs here um, goes 500 miles which is 800 kilometers on a charge at 50 ton payload that's pretty good that sure beats an f-150 lightning going like 100 kilometers with a June buggy on the back and a car trailer, doesn't it? So there's something going on there. It's going to have a big pack. I think we've spoken about that before. Of course, Elon's not saying much, but I reckon it will have about oh, 750 kilowatt hour pack that will weigh, you know, four ton or three and a half ton or something. But in the scheme of things, that's not a lot of weight for a truck. I mean, their engines and transmissions and, you know, some of them hold 2,000 litres of diesel. There's two ton there. Boys and girls are close enough too. But of course, you know, 
what happens when we need a proper truck? Because in Australia, we need proper trucks. We need three trailers hooked together, be triples, with some filthy, unreliable piece of shit, strangled diesel, with no brakes and no safety, towing it across the outback. Because we don't actually have to do that, right? We do that because the trucking companies just want to make as much profit as they can. So they load the things up as much as they're illegally allowed to, and some, sometimes, maybe, not that I would know, I'm not a trucker, and just get fleets of people to swap seats and keep driving them across the country because the things are so fucking expensive to run. Maybe if they ran them at a third of that weight and they used electric trucks, they'd be that much cheaper to run, they could actually be safe and efficient things on the road. Ah, there's a there's a light bulb moment for you, isn't there? I mean, I know this because I have a friend that lives very close to the bottom of the freeway here in South, in Adelaide, South Australia, and it's a big long run straight down the hill, straight into the city. And like clockwork, every couple of years, some stupid big overloaded truck runs out of brakes at the top of the hill, doesn't take the arrestor beds that are there, and plows just through, runs out of brakes, totally just plows through the intersection, kills people, runs over cars. I know one woman that's been hit twice in the last decade there by out of control trucks because internal combustion trucks are stupid because their engine braking is pathetic because their actual brakes, you might as well not have them. They're that fucking bad. You get like one or two stabs at them, it's over. So if you're going too fast at the top of the descent and you can't jam that stupid old two million speed road ranger down into the right gear, which will happen if you're going too fast, you cannot get it in the right gear, apparently, you're done. You're out of brakes. If you can't slam it up in an arrestor bed or you think, hold my beer, I got this, you're going to kill people and that's what happens. Electric truck, on the other hand, will be harvesting all of that excellent runaway speed and breaking itself down by using the engines as reverse generators in a regen. So not only are you safe, you're quiet, not going for hours at a time like some overgrown knobhead in a shitbox, it'll be quiet, it will be efficient, and more to the point, it will be safe. But of course the booger eaters don't get that, that'll be no good, you can't do that. What happens when you want to, you know, drive across the Nullarbor in one hit? Well, you see, that's not a big deal for Americans and American trucks. So as we've said before, they're all within a couple of hundred kilometres or a few hundred miles of major cities. So they go there and the thing charges as it unloads and it's fully charged by the time it's unloaded by the mega charger system, yes, you heard that here first. Mega chargers from Stellantis. No, not Stellantis, but they're good and they work, right? Mega charger system is there in place and there won't be like hours lost refueling these things in filthy truck stops and whatever. They will just charge and go, right? So whether you like it or not, the future of trucking, maybe not straight away in Australia, but give it time, is electric because trucks are the worst in terms of pollution, noise, danger, all of those things that only internal combustion can deliver when improperly and poorly applied. But, you know, 
it's going to ruffle a few feathers. But bad luck. Who wants to be monstered by some out of, you know, out of control Peterbilt? Haven't you ever seen the, the movie Duel? And with that, say goodbye to Range Anxiety for the Sunday session. And goodbye, Stellantis.